Welcome to Healthcare Disrupted, where conversations, topics, and innovators share how they are disrupting healthcare to change a cookie-cutter healthcare system to become more innovative, creative, and result-driven. Now, here are your hosts, Renee Lumain and Jasmine Vilas. Right. Hello. Okay. Welcome to our next episode to Healthcare Disrupted. We're going to do a quick recap from our last conversation about COVID-19. I'm still here in New York and uh, things are looking a little bit better as different businesses are opening up. A lot of people are out and about. Uh, the good thing is that I'm noticing people are, are wearing face masks. But let's see where we are as a country today. So coronavirus and worldwide actually is at 3.5 million. But when I look at the data from Worldometer, the US, we are at 1.1 million of total cases right now. And what's interesting enough is that uh, since this whole situation has occurred, we have around 68,173 de deaths. We had 177,000 uh, uh, people who actually recovered from this coronavirus. So it's good to see that more people are recovering versus those who have, who have passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, however, we still have the, some long ways to go. Uh, as we kind of mentioned before, that with the summer coming up, we know, we feel that, or we know based on what the data is showing us that the numbers are going down uh, because, you know, things are, from, from a temperature standpoint, is getting hotter, uh, people are practicing social distancing, and, uh, and, and, and the numbers will just continue to trend down. And so being here in New York, just looking at the data, uh, we are we are at 323 total cases, and uh, New York today has 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 had around 280 deaths, a new death, I should say. And so, you know, as I look at across the United States, uh, the numbers are are, are continuing to uh, go down. Majority of of the states, but then you do have certain areas where the numbers are just probably climbing up a little bit. Uh, but you know, with that being said. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's really about you know, just being mindful and practicing the things that we have learned uh, throughout coronavirus since it has entered our country, right? Practicing mm -hmm. social distancing and, uh, you know, practicing hand hygiene and, uh, of course, wearing face masks, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's encouraging. There's a lot of, um, it kind of move for even these, um, these retail companies like I, I was just reading an article a couple of days ago which I'm sure you heard of about um, Whole Foods deciding to give masks to all their customers making yeah. sure that as they enter you know not only are they tracking the the, um, the volume or the number of, of customers in the store at once they also are, are handing out masks to every one of their customers um, and suggesting use obviously I don't think they can make that a requirement but it is something that they are encouraging that their customers um, are utilizing while they're shopping in the store. And then obviously their, um, their team members have for a while been required to, um, to cover. So, so I think we'll see a lot of that where there'll be some kind of creative ways where now that the masks are available again, <laughs> um, that these retail companies are gonna look to, 
to try to fill that gap where if they can't control exactly what happens and they can they can make sure they can be able to to kind of reduce the number of cases or exposure in their stores so they don't become a headline. I think that's the aim for most of them. They're just <laughs> not wanting to be the breeding ground, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think between that and the clean and continuing that like the reduced hours where they're closing stores, like we still see that. I think most of our stores are closing around eight PM. Um, right. they're doing the, the, the deep cleaning every night. So, and then if you go to shop at, uh, I was at Target just this morning and they have, um, still have the, 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 the team members that are cleaning after every time that you touch any, anything, including the, you know, credit card machines and all that. So all good stuff, you know, and hopefully that sticks for a while and it helps to keep the cases trending downward. Um, and you know, I think that overall we're probably all sticking with a bit more of uh, memory when it comes to hygiene and what this whole topic of like, you know, uh, cleanliness and, uh, and disease spread and how it's all spread. I mean, people are definitely, they're like shocked by how the coronavirus spreads. And it's like, wait a second, it's not different than any other sickness, guys. Like this is a virus and this is how it spreads. So I think it will stick in our minds and we'll hopefully start to change behaviors permanently and, and, yeah. um, and see a bit of of a, a decrease overall and maybe flus on an annual basis. Absolutely. And you know what, Jasmine, I want to just tell a quick story, right? Because you mentioned about practicing proper hygiene. And, you know, there was a situation not too long ago. <laughs> and I can't believe this, right? So we all know this coronavirus thing, it spreads uh, by people just touching, you know, shaking each other's hand, um, just by people coughing or whatnot. And so I think a couple of weeks ago, here I am, I'm going to the bathroom. And, uh, you know, of course I go to the to the sink, wash my hand, put soap in my hand, and I'm washing my hand for about 20 seconds under warm water. And this guy come up, you know, he used the stall. And just when I get done, I'm drying my hands off. This guy literally zip up, zipped up his pants, turn around and proceed to walk out. And God. here I am thinking, wait a minute, we're dealing with COVID and we know how important hand hygiene is, right? And uh, to see this guy just have total disregard for coronavirus or just, you, you know, just not washing his hand. I, you know, I said, hey, I, I mean, I literally called him. I said, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> your hands, buddy. <laughs> you know, and so I said, Hey man, you got to make sure to wash your hand, man. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm glad I did that because who knows if he had it or it's just it's just not right. You know, right. you want to make sure that people are doing what they are supposed to, to do. And trust me, you know, it's I think because of this whole situation, it makes me more aware of that even more and just. And uh, because again, trust me, you know, now every time I shake somebody's hand, I'm constantly thinking, hmm, you wash your hand? Were they, exactly. Were they that guy? Did they just walk out of the bathroom after zipping their pants up? <laughs> right. You, know. you would think right now it would have stuck deeper in someone's head, right? Just with yeah. all the fears and all, everything, just it's like we're, we're being drilled about this constantly. So you'd think that it'd be at the forefront of their minds soap and water there it's available to me right there you know i mean that's nothing worse than that like having that moment where you shake someone's hand and then you notice like their nose is a little red <laughs> are they sick? <laughs> sick i'm not just shook their hand and you walk away you're like 
I know. Oh it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Or hey, the deaf person just digging their nose. And exactly. Just oh you know, no. Shook my oh, hand no. with it. And uh, you, you know, when you start thinking about that, it just some I mean, of your mind goes into so many different you know, <laughs> ideas, and you just don't know what people are doing. And so I think people really owe it to each other to hey wash your hands, sanitize your hands. These things are available to you. It's there, take advantage of it because you keep me safe. I keep you safe. We keep mm -hmm. everybody safe and everybody is better off that way. But oh, yeah. it's- And listen, it is a gift. I had a girlfriend that's recently come back, has come back from Cuba and she travels there a lot, family um, back in Cuba. And now that obviously the, the, the travel ban is, um, is not, no longer in effect, they can you know, travel as you know, more on a casual basis, basically. They, um, but they're like any other kind of third world country. I mean, they just don't have easy access to mm. running water, right? I mean, they've got you know, maybe a sink available, but soap, that's an afterthought. Like it's not rarely is there soap in a bathroom when you go to the bathroom. Oh, and mind you, there's also rarely toilet paper in the bathroom, oh, yeah. which is a whole other yeah. like, oh gosh. So, so yeah, I mean, we are blessed to live in a country in which we have these things available to us. You know, you might not be able to find them on the shelves right the second in a certain store or others, but you probably could find an old school soap bar, get yourself a little dove bar and make it happen, put it to work. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely hear you. So let's switch to a different topic. Let's talk about physician practices, right? Because we know that you know, physicians who are still seeing, well, I'm not gonna say still seeing patients, but when this all this blows over, um, and, I, and actually I think in some states, they actually did open up their, the, the physician practices um, as well. I know Texas is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, what ways can we start thinking about um, as far as physicians implementing certain policies and procedures to protect mm -hmm. uh, the, their employees as well as the patients? What do you right. think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think right now in this in where we are with with COVID, that there's some kind of like we're what we're talking about with permanent impact. You know, maybe there's some lessons that we can learn as we run these practices to be able to understand how to protect our patient population and ourselves and our staff from easily transmitting viruses, right? So I think that there's a, a, an important, obviously at this moment in time, um, that important recommendation that there's lots, there's a lot of influence and focus on really keeping these practices, the, foc the focal point of how you run your business at the moment, because obviously COVID's still in the air. It's going to be here that, you know, we, we're, we're, everyone has said it, it's not going anywhere. It's the numbers will trend down and we'll probably see it. And maybe the summer will kill off quite a bit, but it probably will stick around for quite some time. So I think it's helpful to be able to say, okay, I run my practice according to a standard that helps to protect my patient population and my staff so that, you know, we, we aren't the breeding ground, right? We aren't the ones who, um, you know, every patient that comes to our practice walks away with a special gift of COVID on their way out the door or any sort of other flu virus. So, um, so yeah. So what kind of things, I mean, when you talk about like hygiene, like what kind of things do you think these practices are, could do to be able to really help to impact what they, um, what their, what happens in their practice? I really think that every practice should have a hand hygiene station uh, outside of their practice uh, and, and even on the inside, right? So I think 
Uh, well, well, first and foremost, before I even talk about the hand hygiene, I think every practice should implement uh, some type of policy around uh, COVID or even for the flu too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, process and procedures that the staff should follow and even um, patients should, should follow, right? Uh, and so when patients uh, are coming to the practices, they should be able to sanitize their hand and put on a face mask before entering the practice mm-hmm. so that way they can ensure that they are uh, you know keeping the staff safe and I think the staff should always wear um, you, you know a mask um, as well now I'm talking in the sense of towards the tail end of this because as as states have already opened up uh, their states for businesses and and medical practice are being one of these essential uh, businesses that are actually being open I think this is what needs to happen right now. Uh, until this is truly cleared up, but uh, but yeah, so I think staff and patients should be able to wear the face mask, and also too, I think prior to the patient coming to the practice, uh, the staff should be you know while they're verifying the patient appointment, they should also ask the patient that uh, have you come in contact with anybody who has had uh, COVID, and and within the last you know 24 maybe 40 hours have you experienced any of the following symptoms that are related to covid and and so so that way uh, they know whether the patient should truly stay home and maybe they reschedule that patient uh, patient appointment or just cancel it until further notice and or even when the patient do come up uh, to show up for their appointment that day, they should be asking the patient, uh, are, are you experiencing any signs or symptoms uh, mm-hmm. related to COVID? Because again, I think taking all proper precaution is going to be essential to making sure that we continue to uh, to make that curve uh, continue to trend down downwards instead of upwards. Absolutely. And I think being able to, to, to take those uh, procedures and putting it into in, in place, that will truly be um, um, a strong outcome for, for the practices and patients. Absolutely. Yes. It's, cre- it's shifting the culture, right? That's in the, in the practice. So having the ed- education for the staff, constant education, right? To kind of remind them of the importance of these things, right? I, I, it brings me back to, um, to just things that we, you know, we really have drilled deep into our healthcare practices, things like cybersecurity, right? Like everybody's afraid of cybersecurity. And so we've got this regular training biweekly, one, you know, monthly or whatever, where we're talking like really, really drilling in. We want you to understand, you know, the implications and understand the dangers and so on. Um, and so maybe we do the same thing. For hygiene practices, maybe you do the same thing for educating the staff to keep it at the forefront of their minds. You know, it's almost like that annoying sign in the bathroom, like all employees must wash hands, you know, everyone sees it, but who actually reads it? So it gives a chance to say, let me remind you of how these diseases spread and let's change the way that we behave. Um, I think last time we, we, we spoke briefly about some restaurants changing the way that they do business and, and things as simple in a medical practice that we could learn from some of the restaurants that I've seen during this um, whole, you know, this whole pandemic that they've looked at ways to, to sanitize pens, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like finding a pen and, you know, they hand it back to them and that same person has the pen and they, she dropped it on the floor five times and, you know, and she's given it to a hundred patients or whatever. And, uh, and that same pen, you know, walking, it's just this awesome disease um, ridden pen that we're just passing around to our patients. So something as simple as, as creating a practice where 
periodically, whatever it is. And like you said, it has to be policy centric. So if it, every shift, maybe that particular uh, receptionist or this front office staff is responsible for going out into the reception area and sanitizing right. specific things, magazine covers, Magazines, like I don't know, <laughs> chairs, like you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, maybe magazines aren't there right now, right? Maybe right. we don't do that because well, let me tell you, when I think about magazines, the first thing I think about is what do, what do people do when they turn the page in a magazine, right? <laughs> lick it with, the, uh, gotta lick the finger, turn the page, right? So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe magazines leave the waiting rooms for what for a little while, you know? Um, so just you know, thinking about things that hopefully will will change the culture in the practice that says we care about your health and well-being and you know we're going to take our like very best germophobic actions to keep you well and keep you safe right so i think that it's you know it's just helpful to even just kind of create that culture as we enter into a practice that maybe permanently changes the outcome for your you know, your patients and your staff too every you know ongoing Absolutely. And you know, one thing that I thought about too are gloves, right? Because um, I mean, even before coming to New York, uh, you know, just whenever I would go out to the stores to get food for the house, I would see some, I mean, some people that would, they would have gloves in their hands. Now, the thing is what people at, the, you know, what they forget is that, yeah, you, you know, while your hands is not getting dirty or touching any bacteria or whatnot, but you're touching other things. Mm -hmm. And now you're touching things that people are going to be touching and while you think you're okay you're protecting yourself but it's not necessarily helping and protecting others others right. as well and so and this is why it goes back to hand hygiene being uh, and, and as far as washing your hand with soap is probably the most effective way of just making sure that your hands are are thoroughly clean mm -hmm. or sanitizing your hand with I think with sanitizers that have 70% alcohol in it or more right. I think and so it's just being able to just wash your hands right mm -hmm. and uh, but but again I think uh, people are just so afraid and when it comes to 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 physician practices I really like how you made that point about the magazines because honestly I didn't think about it until you said it and, and, and honestly people do that all the time yep you know what I can imagine just the breeding ground that exists throughout the day in a practice you know I, I know that there are some facilities that do a great job at periodically cleaning, you know, thoroughly throughout the day. But there are a number of physician practices that at the end of the day, that's when the cleaning crew comes in, right? So you've seen, depending on the size of the practice, 200 patients in that day, right? 50, 200, whatever the number is for you, you've seen people come in and out and they're spending quite a bit of time in your waiting room. Um, hopefully not too much time, but that's a whole other subject. But <laughs> if they're spending a lot of time in your waiting room and, um, and you know, they're just, it, they're obviously there for some reason. Some might be there for well visits, but if they're there and they're there for sick visits, who knows what they're leaving behind. And so creating, a, again, like you said, a process, a procedure that says my front office staff is going to go to that waiting room and thoroughly sanitize whatever the frequency is. It's just like the bathroom cleaning signs in the restaurants, right? Like they, they have their little requirement to sign off on how frequently it's being, um, I think it's once an hour or something, someone has to go in, check the restrooms, do certain things. Um, I don't know how well that's maintained in most places, but maybe we could do a better job at, at that, you know, in a, in, a, in a healthcare practice to just say, this is what, you know, our aim is to keep you guys safe and clean and um, healthy <laughs> and um and you know I, I think about this 
from like a peds perspective, like if you're in pediatrics, you know, I've seen practices, you walk into the waiting room and they've got this very, very cute delineation between sick and well patients with a lovely sign that's nicely decorated on the wall. And yet their patients are in the same room right, and right. the toys, they're shared, intermingled toys where the kids are, are playing sick kids and well kids. You know, there's just all this kind of exchange <laughs> of germs happening throughout the day. And I mean, something as simple as that, being able to be really intentional about the separation of your, of your waiting room. Like if you have a patient population, you've decided you're going to separate sick from well, and that is what your practice does. Maybe it's urgent care or what have you you make that intention, what's the purpose? And really identifying, does this shift, does it serve the purpose, right? Am I actually making a difference by this separation? And one of those things would be as simple as saying, you know, is the same, this waiting room that going to use the same check-in window and the same check-in materials, the sick patients from the well patients? And is my staff who's attending to the sick patients do they have a mask and a covering to protect them in case that person, you know, is, has flu-like symptoms? Um, and then, you know, going back to what you said, which I really liked what you said about making sure that you have that chance to dialogue or just communicate to the patients, hey, you have flu-like flu -like symptoms, like, let us know, because yeah. here we go. Maybe we telemedicine this visit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, maybe we say, let me just get you that Z-Pack or whatever it is that you want it, <laughs> to be able to feel better while you just recover and spend the next few days recovering. So, sure. Absolutely. Good point. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think this is a great segue just to even get into um, the telehealth. But before we do, I definitely want to also mention about uh, creating face masks, right? Because the CDC, they, they put, uh, put out that people can use cloth masks as a way to protect themselves from the coronavirus. Uh, and so nowadays, you're starting to see a lot more people getting very creative, especially those who may have potentially lost their jobs. In the meantime, people are finding ways to make money. And so um, I was able to find, find a website where you can use bandanas, you can use a t-shirt by tearing off uh, the short sleeve and being able to, to use it and creating a face mask for yourself. Or you can even use a sewing machine if you really want to get, you know, really crafty with it, right? But the point being is that uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money uh, to have a face mask. Uh, I mean, you can be as economical. I don't want to say cheap, but economical <laughs> uh, <laughs> when it comes to it. And, you know, one thing that, that the CDC did say is that uh, do not now I get medical face mask. Initially, when I thought about it, I was like, well, why would they say that? But then again, it, it, it doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to leave the medical face mask for medical professionals, right? Because right. I think initially, these face masks, uh, the medical face masks were, uh, I mean, I mean, like there was a shortage of them, right? Mm -hmm. It was kind of hard to find and people like who had them was trying to charge outrageous prices for it. But it makes sense that, hey, you know what? Let me leave the medical face mask for the professionals so that the so that so that these healthcare organizations will have it available so that these healthcare professionals are the ones who are going day in, day out, taking care of these COVID patients, while those of us who don't have it or who are probably asymptomatic to it. We can just make our own very easily or buy it somewhere, you know, and right. be able to just wear it every day, you know, and I think 
uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, that is something that I've started to notice around. And people who are very creative, I'm looking at it like, I might have to get me one of those too, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's become a fashion statement, you know? My daughter, my daughter, a teenager, you know, asking about getting a face mask because she wants to make a, a TikTok video. Everybody's on TikTok making those face mask videos. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think that it's interesting that we've turned something that's a little bit you know, like, oh man, face mask, that's so intense and that, but, and, and making a little bit light and the kids see it as something that they could do, you know, even if it, if, um, you know, maybe us as parents feel better, you know, we're, we're like, okay, our kids are out there, they're in, they're in the world, but they've got their face covering on, even if their, their motivation isn't quite what our motivation is for it. <laughs> and you know what, I mean, I started seeing all types of designs. Some people would put their, you know, the, the flag of the country where they're from. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, some, uh, you know, with the different patterns. I mean, some people are walking around looking like superheroes. So right. You know, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Indeed. But, but, but I definitely want to jump into the telehealth side, side of it too, right? Because again, you kind of alluded to that where, you know, if patients are really sick, you can always turn that regular visit into a, um, into, into a telemedicine. And mm -hmm. I know on the last episode, I mean, we, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit, but, you know, definitely that is, that is the way to go. And I think that is the more alternative route to where mm -hmm. if practices do not have like two waiting rooms to where they can't separate their sick patients and their well patients, then mm -hmm. definitely, I think those the patients who are truly sick, um, uh, I think physicians should really consider about, hey, let me do telemedicine visits with those patients so that my well mm -hmm. patients are not uh, being put at risk to get sick, nor nor the staff or the physician will put themselves at risk. And I think that's probably the, you know, the smart way to go about it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, you know, we'll have a deeper conversation about telehealth for sure, but I think there's just a, a, a huge... Um, opportunity right now, especially with the the growth in wearables and things like that, where people can actually start to really monitor their patients' care from right. you know remote environments, and they don't necessarily have to have them physically in the office with them. Um, and then ab absolutely, you know that the 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 theme there is if you're sick, stay home, right? That's the underlying theme, and I think that even pr providers and practices can learn from that theme. Like if you're sick, doc, <laughs> doc, it sounds like a silly thing, but sometimes, you know, when you have a revenue generating provider, you know, it doesn't matter who it is or, or even the staff member, they're sick and their first thought is, well, I feel good enough to make it through the work day, but they're not thinking of the implications of what they might be bringing into the office with them. And especially the providers that are having hands-on patient care. Um, it just sounds just completely counter to what, you know, you're, you're supposed to be doing to serve and protect and, and, um, and care for your patients. So, you know, again, the underlying theme there, stay home if you're sick. Yes. Stay home. <laughs> you know, let's keep our germs to ourselves, people. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely do agree. And, you know, one thing I want to say, too, is that um, I know with, with the coronavirus, it has really uh, caused a big impact in this country and so many people's lives people have lost loved ones but i don't want people to be so scared to where they're just so afraid of it and they feel like you know uh there's really no way to beat it uh, for me uh just being here in new york and just really seeing how things are um you know education and following the process and the steps is crucial but yet they're so simple too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you know, again, we're talking about just what hand in hand hygiene, washing your hand with soap. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, if you can't wash your hand with soap, then sanitize, but always keep a mask in your face and mm -hmm. practice social distancing. I think if people can just do that, uh, then then we will beat this with no problem. There's you know, you know, there's no reason why we can't get back to how things were. But even once we do, I think people still have to make sure hand mm -hmm. hygiene personal hygiene really is just <laughs> important. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Truth bomb right there. Let me tell you, like, I, I think that this has a potential to change illness, period. You know, the, the transmission of viruses, these flus that we are hit with annually. I mean, there's deaths annually. We'll talk, you know, some more of those numbers at a later time. But I, I mean, really, it, it's been a lesson that I think we've been longing to learn and to have kind of drilled into us, right? You get into it when you're a parent, you're, you know, maybe reminding the kid constantly, but at some point, somewhere between five and 10, all those reminders fade away and we become adults and our habits sometimes aren't in line with um, the health and well-being of ourselves and respecting the health and well-being of others. So yeah, sure. it's exciting to see, hopefully that we'll, we'll start to continue a, a, a trend of, of, better habits <laughs> absolutely i definitely do agree personal hygiene <laughs> <laughs> that is key that is key you know um you know, you know sometimes you know people may take just uh, you know a shower a week or something i mean i've I've met people who actually tell me that which is kind of baffling but Proud. Hey, <laughs> Proud. yeah it's you know it's it's different it's different it is so yeah, so for next week, we're, uh, we're excited that the topic that we're going to talk really dive into is, is, you know, how do we prevent the sickening of this practice, right? We start to look at these alternatives to, to uh, prevent the death of the private practice, which unfortunately, it is going to be a long journey in recovery for some of these practices that have been impacted and hit so hard. And um, I think this is a topic that everybody needs to hear. Um, because you know, even businesses, <laughs> large and small, but large, like really, it's crazy. But there's some lessons to be learned from this whole um, being, everyone being hit so hard from this whole pandemic. Um, and it really, I think, rattling the entire the infrastructure of every business. So, um, so yeah, so excited for next week, guys. We look forward to, to keeping this conversation going. And thanks so much for tuning in. All right. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check back for new episodes of Healthcare Disrupted. Find out more at www.healthcaredisrupted.org. Until next time. <laughs>